Welcome, everyone, to Ian Hates Conversations. My name is Ian, and I'm very happy because I have Jake and Zach of Alteris joining me for the third time tonight. Our destinies are forever entwined, and since they're so great, that's certainly not a bad thing. Their awesome new EP, Myself on Fire, came out recently through Revival Recordings, so make sure you pick it up. We're about to talk a lot about it, and we have a lot to get to, so let's begin with Best Mistake off Myself on Fire. Enjoy. We are back with Ian Hates Conversations, and I am here with returning friend of the show, three-time friend of the show, Jake and Zach of Alteris. Guys, how are you doing tonight? What up? We're good. Hey. 
We're super stoked to be here again, <laughs> again, again, <laughs> again, and again, and again. And we had kind of talked a little bit off air before this started, and we had mentioned, so the first time you guys were on, that was back when Grief had already come out, but you had pulled it from the market because you were going to make the announcement very soon that you would join Revival Recordings, and then the next time was a track-by-track retelling the entire you know grief and everything that you guys have been through. So this is very cool because right now you have a brand new EP out, Myself on Fire. So it's just great. Every time you guys have a new release, you'll be back on Ian Hates Music. You that, got it. That sounds that sounds exactly correct. We're forever linked. <laughs> forever, forever, forever. <laughs> so, I feel like we're stuck now. We're committed. Like this is long term shit. You yeah. know, there's like a metaphorical ring on it or something. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let me now because you mentioned that I was gonna hold off, but now I have to bring it up right away. So you've been on the show three times, but I have talked to you guys many a time about how you don't seem to tour past Pennsylvania. So <laughs> does that have something to do yeah. with me? That's what I'm I knew about. this was gonna come up. I knew this was gonna come up. It had to. You know. For some reason, every booking agent we we ever work with never wants to book us as far as we played in Connecticut once, yeah. and then we'll never go any further. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the, the problem is. We want to. Is there you know, something you know to that do? thing where it's like it's not it's not you, it's, it's <laughs> me. Well, it's, it's not us. <laughs> it's <laughs> we, definitely we me. Swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess to go a little bit into you know the backstory of how or maybe behind the scenes is a better way to put it of how bands tour how does that normally work do you have to reach out specifically is this something Mishko does where he has to reach out to certain people you know in different parts of the country to make sure that you guys will sell there um well typically it kind of varies like if you um like if you have a booking agent uh, they will typically be the ones that reach out, get the other artists that you're touring with, um, hit the regions that you're going to tour with, um, get some dates booked at different venues, get the routing set up, and then it kind of comes back to you in a nice little package with a bow on top that says, here you go, get out there and be somebody. Ah. So a lot of the times it's just kind of like, you know, we wake up and we're like, where are we going to be tomorrow? You right. know? Um, but that being said, um, like if you don't have an agent or if, you know, you're just trying to get other stuff booked as well, that's something like, you know, we work with, with Mishko or with, you know, the label or just um, other friends in other bands who are in different markets that, you know, right. can just, you know, get some shows booked with them or whatever. And you guys tend to tour a lot. I mean, I know you have a date booked in September right now that I was able to see, but is this like a little bit of a break period for you guys? So we kind of we we kind of had like a uh, a well last year we did 101 dates and um, we were we were really set on making sure that we got our album done exactly how we wanted to and and now that that's all done we're trying to hit it hard. Okay. Um, we've gone through we've had a couple like we've had a couple things that have been obstacles that we've been working through a little bit but thankfully we've still been able to get a couple dates here and there that are that are getting us places. Um, but there have been some behind the scenes obstacles that have been preventing us a little bit from getting out on the road as much as we would prefer. Right. You know, we're, we're yes men very much. So, so if somebody comes at us with a tour, we're the kind of people that are like, yeah, let's, let's fucking do it. Um, so it's been one of those things right now where we've had a couple situations happen, um, 
that I, I don't have to go too in depth about, but uh, it's just, you know, sometimes you run an obstacle, things don't go exactly how you plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you make the best and you do what you can with the time that you have and whatever you do is pushing the band and that's all that matters, you know? Right. Um, but you know, touring, touring is on our, our docket. It is priority a number one for us always. So, (laughs) yeah, I'd uh, imagine. So, I mean, especially with the new EP out too, myself on fire, you guys, it seems like a weird time for you not to be out on tour. Exactly. Exactly. Push it to the masters, you know? Right. Yeah. And. I guess we can, I know you don't want to go in depth, in depth into that. Obviously there's something going on, you know, behind the scenes that maybe we'll find out at another time. But the one good thing I can say, or I think anyways, is that you guys got to play at least a couple or a few of the final touring, you know, warp tour dates as well. So that had to be something good, right? Yeah. So, you know, going back to say like certain obstacles, certain things, if you have other, opportunities arise like warp tour you know we got to fucking take that instead of another tour so right. that that that'd be a, a prime example of you know reasons why we weren't able to take certain opportunities but you know we're able to do something in our eyes was like really fucking cool like we got to play both the ohio dates of warp and that's that's bucket list stuff right there you know i mean we grew up going to warp tour and learning about our favorite bands from there and you know, just understanding a little bit of what um, a collective group of like-minded individuals feels like at such uh, a young age, you know? Sure. Um, so, yeah, we, it was such a blast. I, I can't even, like, I can't <laughs> even say, like, yeah, man, it was cool, whatever. Like, nah, it, it was, it was fucking wild. <laughs> so, take me through that day. Uh, take me through one of the days of what you had right. to do <laughs> and that oh, feeling. No. All right. All right. Um Okay, so so both dates were gnarly, man. War mm-hmm. Tour is gnarly, and it's gnarly in the best way that you could ever imagine possible. Right. But like in the way that like if you're somebody that's out there busting your ass from uh, eight a.m. until you know midnight when it's over, if you're the band that's trying to bust their ass the whole time, you are going to be exhausted, and yes. it is it is such a rewarding exhaustion. Yeah. But man, you load in at eight a.m., um, which means you've got to be to the venue before that, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, once you're loaded in, you know, the load in isn't exactly always as close as you think it would be. Ah. Uh, when we were in Cincinnati, we had to wheel our stuff about a mile and a half. Yeah. About wow. a mile and a half to the, to, to the stage. Damn. Um, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> and our dolly fucking broke in the middle of the street in of front of the line of traffic. Everyone was really happy with us. I can it's, imagine. It's, so that's like the start of your day. And then, you know, you throw your tent up. And then immediately it starts. It's like 10 a.m., you know, or 11 a.m. Those doors open or the early people get in. And the hustle begins. Oh, we, uh, you know, we we started running. We printed these pamphlets that we got from the label that have links to myself on fire on them. Nice. So we were running around just handing those out. We wrote our set times on them so that we could, like, get people to come to our set. Yeah. So nonstop for the next hour to two hours, we'd take shifts running around. Um, pushing people to get, you know, uh, to our set before it happens. Right. Um, and that's, that takes up a lot of your time because, you know, you want to talk to those people. You don't just want to walk up and be like, hey, come here and then walk away. You know, it's, it's, right. it's an experience. Like, like the, I, if somebody walked up to me and handed me a pamphlet and said that didn't say anything, you know, where was my obligation, you know? Exactly. Uh, and it takes, it takes a lot of skill, too, to be able to reach into someone's pocket and take their money and, re- <laughs> and replace said money with a CD. 
sometimes CDs like don't fit in people's pockets. I wear skinny jeans; they don't fit in mine. You know. Ah, so. See, that's why I don't get why people don't like cargo shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, man. So, so you go through that, and then you know you've got your little wave of like uh, people that you know know the band, or you you meet the people that are like, oh my goodness, I came here to see you, and you're like, cool. So you talk to those people, you sell a couple things, mm-hmm. um, then you play your set. You're exhausted from your set because it's emotionally and physically exhausting. And it's 100 degrees. And it's it's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. (laughs) I've never felt something so fantastic or rewarding in my life. And then you go back to your table, and then you hustle all day long. doesn't matter what time you played. I think the first day we played around noon. second day we played around 2 o'clock. And from there until about 10 o'clock every night or 8, 8.30, whenever the last band was done, probably like, they finished around like nine. I think yeah. the last band went on at eight thirty or nine. Sure. Um, we would just sit there and hustle, you know, bring people over to the table, running around with CDs, trying to get people to do that. There's never a dull moment and you're never really just sitting there. Yeah, if you're trying to be the band that's busting your ass. And we absolutely are that kind of band. Um, yeah, and somewhere in in the mix of that, you gotta, you know, do warm ups, you gotta set your stuff up, you gotta run up to the van and do blasters. <laughs> you gotta eat you gotta eat somehow got to right. sneak your cooler in full of beer. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to be paying $16 for a beer. Fuck that. <laughs> I, I bought a, I bought a, what was it, an $8 mini pizza? Yeah. Oh my it God. tasted like cardboard. Yep. I wanted that $8 mini pizza, but I didn't get it because I didn't have cash, so I got pretzels. And get that <laughs> and it was extremely disappointing. I waited in line on Blacktop for 20 minutes wow. to get pretzels, and I didn't want pretzels. No. The first day we were spoiled. We got catered. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah. That whole backstage area that they have set up. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't really supposed to be in there, but we just went in. Yeah. That's the way to do it. <laughs> that's honestly the way to do it. No, I totally get it. Well, you had mentioned something really quickly about having to, you know, prep and get ready. So for anyone that doesn't know, which hopefully they do by now, Jake is doing the vocals. Zach, you're on bass. So what do you guys have to do specifically to get ready to play outside on a festival like Warp Tour? Well, uh, both Zach and I do a lot of volleying vocals in the new album. And uh, we we do a, it's a lot of vocal sharing, actually. So, like, that's what we played. We've been playing nothing but our new album since it came out. And nice. uh, that's what we've been focusing on. So, like, uh, for this, we did a lot of, like, vocal warm-ups, drink a lot of water. Um, we're the kind of band that we will always 100% do vocal warm-ups before we perform because mm-hmm. it's our tool, it's what we use, and if we don't do it, then we're doing an injustice or damaging our voices in the long run. So we're the kind of people that, you know, if, if we've got to take 10 minutes to walk away from everything and just, like, get ourselves situated, that's one thing we yeah. always do. We right. both have a little bit of training as well as just kind of, like, understanding yourself um, mm-hmm. and just doing certain warm-ups that we kind of both have brought to the table collectively. Um, we've been doing similar uh, warm-up scenarios for three years now, mm-hmm. um, just every single day trying to keep it so you can get within your range and comfortably do it without blowing your voice out and not being able to perform the next day. Right. Yeah. A-, a lot of it's about longevity. Like, the, the biggest thing is, is all about longevity. Like, sometimes, yeah, you might not be able to hit that note, Mm-hmm. But if you can, you know, make sure that you're able to hit most of the notes every every night of the tour, that's that's the important thing. Because I mean, you might kill it night one, 
But night two, you might be a little, little more strained. Yeah, and uh, by night three, you might have no voice if you don't warm up. Yeah, man. First tour is learn those things really, really <laughs> quick. It's all about longevity and making sure you can you can perform the whole tour because day one is just or day day twelve or day thirteen is just right. as fucking important as day one is. Because I mean, you think about it, if you go and see like I don't know Marilyn Manson and you know every mm-hmm. single word and you're screaming it and you go to work the next day and you're like, oh fuck, oh, I yeah. can't talk, man. Like <laughs> you know. We we can't have that. We got to be able to do it, scream our heart out, sing our heart out every single day, and go back to work the next. Which, coincidentally, our work is also screaming. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, I'm going to get back to what you're talking about the whole vocal swapping in a second. But I did want to before we you know move on from Warp Tour. Obviously, you guys are busting your asses. You're getting out there. You're trying to get new fans. You're trying to talk to your original fans. But did you guys get to take a little time for yourself and see any of the bands that you were looking forward to as fans? Um, I'll start because I did not. Oh. <laughs> I, I did not. I was at the table the entire time. I actually was actually kind of disappointed and impressed with myself that both days of Warped Tour, I had like a, a, about a leg that I got to experience because I could never leave the table. And that was a, that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Cause like we were working our merch really hard and, and we were trying to work the area around our table a lot. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I really never moved from the t- the distance between the table, the restrooms, and wherever the food was. That was, like, my, my L. Wow. And uh, I never left it. Uh, but I know I know Zach got to at least see one band that he could not resist himself at all. Okay. No, dog, I was there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I stay on the grind. Um, but if, hypothetically, I were to leave for a second, I, I did go backstage for Under Oath. Ah, and, okay. I mean, that's my favorite band, so I had to. And um, we, were, we had a cool spot in Cincinnati where we were up on like the end of the pavilion where there's like a walkway and it kind of overlooks the rest of like the, the grounds. Yeah. yeah. And from where we could see, we could see the two main stages that they swap off and on. Um, so it was like right next to our merch table. So if you like take a, like 10 steps over, you can kind of like look over the railing. And I saw um, part of motionless and white set part of the, uh, um, the Amity affliction sure. um, part of sharp tooth. Oh, and then I did go check out our label mates, uh, Avoid, during oh, their set. I forgot. Avoid got to play a couple of the, or maybe maybe that was the one, but I remember them promoting that a little bit as well. Were they were they able to pull it off? Um, yeah, I, I forget what it was called. They were they were on the Transformed stage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I heard their new album. It's really damn good. Yeah, oh, yeah. they're really great guys. Yeah, oh, they're, good. They're they're wild. I fucking love those dudes. Very they nice. um they played some new new stuff too mm-hmm. and uh like one of the newest songs they played at the end of their set it's just it's so rowdy i love it yeah they go really heavy they definitely do but you know that's actually a pretty good transition there to get back to what you guys are doing on vocals because one of the first things that i realized and if i didn't say it already i fucking love the new album like I think it's really, really great. You guys always you. just yeah, everything you guys do, I'm a big, big fan of. So one of the things I noticed right away though was a lot more of the unclean vocals. So Zach, is that you? Um, you'll be surprised. It's kinda hard to tell in certain spots. It yeah. volleys back and forth, like we said. 
sometimes you'll think it's me and it's actually Jake screaming. And sometimes you think it's Jake singing and it's actually me. Ah, um, okay. But it's, it's, uh, it's weird because we have weird voices. <laughs> um, but we kind of have like complimentary weird voices that work together there you go. somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, it's, it's very cool, but, um, yeah, Jake primarily do, does most of the cleans and then I do, um, you know, a lot of the, the, the dirties. Ah, okay. Because I couldn't remember, I was thinking back and I actually went back and listened to, you know, parts of our first two conversations and I couldn't remember if there was a lot of vocal swapping before. Is this the first time you've done it more often or was that something you guys were still doing in the past as well? So like with with grief, uh, we had a little bit of it, um, but Zach Zach like what he kind of picked up those parts that were swapping, and actually a lot of what we do live, Zach does more of that. Like I did on grief, for example. Like I might have recorded it on grief, but like mm-hmm. in a live setting, Zach will do the part now. Right, and okay. it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, we we know our skill sets and and we want ourselves to sound the best that we can all the time. Mm-hmm. So like we kind of have figured that one out. But like I think with this album, we were really conscious of the fact that we have we have the tools or whatever to uh, to execute both in the way that we want and both I I like we feel are are strong and we want to mm-hmm. portray them as much as we can. So yeah. um, it was definitely more of a focus on this album that we wanted it to be present. Um, it existed a little bit on grief, right. but uh, with this album, it was definitely something that that we were actually conscious of making right. the decision about. It wasn't like, you know, I'm not able to do this, or like when we do this live, I'm not able to do it. You should do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this time, it was like, dude, I think you would sound really, really good in this part, as opposed to, you know, whatever it is. It was more like what fit the song, what fit the style. It was like this voice fits this part. It was way more conscious than than it ever has been before. Ah, okay. So how did your writing process change between Grief and now Myself on Fire? So Myself on Fire, um, it was where previously it was majority, majora, yes, that word, done <laughs> a lot by one person, um, okay. where a lot of the writing was done um, by a, a sole member and then brought to the table and everyone sprinkled their ideas and, and filled in the blanks. <laughs> Whereas Myself on Fire was five dudes um including my brother who's our producer um we all came to the table at once with a small idea which i always tell everyone was like the seed of a song a small idea planted it in the room and then everyone poured fertilizer water (laughs) whatever onto it and it grew to be the song that you know eventually we cut it down and rebuild it you know cut it down again rebuild it and then it finally became what it is um the writing process was much more in depth and we cut a lot of stuff um before finalizing the seven songs that we ended up with um so it wasn't just one person it was it was everyone's contribution i mean i think that that you know correlates back to what jake was saying where we were we were a lot more conscious as to where the parts were and to what we wanted the parts to be in the long run um so yeah some of the songs were completely different than they ended up on the record where you know, we had an entire verse in You'll Forget Me where it was just nothing but me screaming. And I was ah. just like, this, you got to sing this. This isn't, this, this isn't what this song needs. 
at the end of the day, like we want to portray our art to its fullest. We don't want to do it a disjustice just because I want to say, yeah, I screamed that part. Like right. that's not, that's not the point. The, the point is we were trying to make something beautiful together. Um, and we got to do the song justice. Yeah. It seems like a very collaborative process. So yeah, if you guys were going through and being like, okay, well, this sounds better when you do it. This sounds better when you do it. It sounds like you wouldn't have any strife or conflict at all. Yeah, I mean, the the cool thing about our group uh, <laughs> is that we're all, like, the most open people about everything possible because as as a band, you know, we're brothers. We live together in a van constantly. We, we uh, write music together, which is, you know, like our baby. We share babies. Like, these are our children that we are putting out into the world and hoping they do okay, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> fuck, I'm going to have a coughing attack. Um, <laughs> okay, there okay, but, so, basically, uh, we're really open about anything. Mm-hmm. So, like, when it comes to whether there's strife or not, there have been times where I've recorded a part and Zach was like, dude, that part sucked dick. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know or like you know there's there's a part in the song where 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 zach we have this joke with a metronome that i won't go into but uh-huh. like we we are we argued about this metronome thing for like 35 minutes with me and his brother and it was just <laughs> funny at the end of the day but like it was a conversation that needed to be had and we're never the kind of people to beat around the bush especially right. not when it's something like the art that we're trying right. to put out there like uh, jake said we're, we're brothers and, and at the end of the day we don't have time to like have you know an ego boost or a dick measuring contest to see who was the writer of this song because the writer of this song and this album is all terrace and it's all of us it's not about you know damn dude i could do this part better why don't you let me do it man like you know me and jake sleep literally touching each other in the back of the van and i kick him in the middle of the night to get all of my gra- oh i mean what's up dog my bad <laughs> But no, we're we're family and we, we dog on each other enough that we let all of our inner aggressions out in the most polite way possible. Right. <laughs> Which <laughs> is a great way to do it. That is for sure. So did you have everything written when you went into the studio to record? We had 13, 14 songs. Oh, wow. Like that, written when we went in and we ended up using seven. Um, and out of those seven, we had completely cut down and rewrote like a majority of them. But yeah, we re- recorded the demos and um, almost to the point where they were finalized mm-hmm. with uh, my brother. And then we went to um, Andrew Bastion in Cleveland oh. and we redid them um, and, you know, finalized them there. Yeah, I think something that was super beneficial about all that was that we were able to have a lot of it all the way almost fought through mm-hmm. um, from like a recording standpoint. And that's where uh, Zach's brother came into into his name's Nick, by the way. We don't have okay. to keep referring to him, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but uh, he uh, he really came into the mix really really well, and that we were able to sit there and put the ideas into our recording as opposed to, you know, you play the songs together as a group, uh, like, like through the amps, you know, and it feels one way mm-hmm. and then you put it to the computer or put it to like, like into the studio and it, it feels different. Right. Um, but you want them to feel good in both, in both platforms. So 
Um, what was really nice for this album was we were able to have full demos done for every single song that had every piece of it. We had harmonies figured out before we went in. We had ideas for, you know, additional vocal parts. We had ideas for the backtrackings. We had, had pretty much almost everything thought all the way through. And then we're able to work with uh, Andrew in the studio to like make those ideas even better. Um, so it wasn't just, it wasn't just like, let's just copy and paste this. It was, well, this is the, this is the, the root. This is the stem of the song. This is what we, we built it. Now let's, let's make it something even better, you know? Um, so yes, we had them done before we went in, but at the same time, you know, something's not done until you hit export. And even at that, we all still sit there and, you know, there are things we add to our lives that even now <laughs> that, that we didn't necessarily record on myself on fire, but like just, that's just the music, man. It just continues to grow. Right. So, yeah, that's a great way to put it. So then while you're in the studio and you have 13, 14 tracks, what is the process like of weeding them down? And then also, I think that's something that people, you know, like to know as well. What was the reason for seven tracks instead of doing a full release? Um, well, we actually did the um, the cuts before we went to uh, finalize them in the studio. Ah. Um, so we, we sat down and we did that with Nick uh, before we went to Andrew and recorded, you know, the finished versions. Yeah. Um, and and it, was, it was a hard process because, um, you know, there are babies, like Jake said. Yeah. And so we want to give them all justice. And we ended up with these seven because of what myself on fire as a whole was. Um, and certain songs, like we, like I stated before, like didn't do justice to, you know, the album as, as a whole. Um, okay. Whereas the ones that we had chosen, you know, they, they said the story in the timeline that we wanted them to in order that the, we wanted them to. And, um, yeah, at the end of the day, we felt it be in our best interest for our discography to go, you know, shapeshifter EP, mm -hmm. grief album, myself on fire EP. And then what's next, if you can, you know, fill in the dotted lines, we're not going to say it, it, but <laughs> you, you, you can, you can imagine. I will. I'll imagine that right now. I'm guessing double EP, but that's just. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. Yes. I love being right. I love being right. Well, that makes, <laughs> that makes total sense. And I guess the question then is for the album as a whole, when you talk about, you know, maybe timeline to you in that sense meant when you actually wrote the tracks. But if you're talking about, you know, the album itself, are you saying this was more of a concept album? I wouldn't call it a concept album, but I will say that the concepts within it are kind of linear. Uh, so, so the album called myself on fire, obviously. Um, but the, the big thing is like, is that idea in general, just like sometimes you go through these things where, you know, you, you feel like you are your own worst enemy and right. you, you have those moments where, you know, life doesn't exactly go exactly the way you want them to. And I mean, that's something that, that, that idea is something that is very prevalent just in, in life in general, but 
But I think the biggest thing for us is that these were stories. These were things that actually like either happened or they were they were ideas that that were in our head or things that that they were they were more experiential or exper- experiential yeah, that, that word that yeah, word uh, than than Greek was. Greek was very conceptual, and the idea of each song had something to do with a concept. Right. Whereas every song on this album. Uh, every concept had had something to do with with an experience as opposed okay. to you know the the latter so or the the previous so it's way more it's way more personal uh it's it, which is weird and kind of hard to believe based on from what grief was right, but right. uh it's a it's a little bit more personal in in if you can dissect and figure out what the stories are and mm-hmm. you know what they mean to us they become much more personal, but they're also written in a way that we want you to fill in the blank and, and experience them in your own way as well. So, uh, you know, uh, I know I wouldn't call it a concept album, but it is an album that is, has continuous, uh, like reoccurring yes. concepts. Yeah. It's, sure. ex- it's experiential. That's how I'm going to put it because I don't even know if that's a word and I like it. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. But yeah, I can definitely hear similar themes, you know, throughout the album. So that makes complete sense to me as well. So that personalness that you're putting in the albums, I think you've always done that. You've always had a lot of passion. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into the music you make. It's one of the reasons why I connect to it so much. And I think why the audience connects to it so much as well. My question, though, is because Grief came out in 2015, technically, then re-released in 2016. Were these conceptual stories or these themes, did this personal stuff happen to you during that period? Or do you write as like your entire life? Um, I would say that most of the things that were spoken about uh, either happened, well, I could say some of them were, were more full life. They're, they're, they kind of are on both sides of the, of the fence there. Okay. I mean, we, we write like, like, like you said, we grief was, was an album that comes from like experience myself on fire also comes directly in roots way more intensively on, on describing the experience as opposed to what it felt like to experience it. Mm-hmm. That might've been confusing to understand, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I I would definitely say that. I would definitely say that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I I always say too, like it's it's fun even for me, and like I'm in the band to like go through, and after a song's like basically finalized and we're listening to it, like the things that Jake says or the things that I say on the the, the tracks mm-hmm. or even certain parts, like they don't mean the same to me, even if I say them if, as they do to Jake, right. or they don't mean the same to Mike or to Tony mm-hmm. or to my brother, Nick, like it's, it's crazy because like something that I thought that our song was about was like, not even the case. And I think wow. that that's kind of like the beauty as to what we tried to capture was that it means something to us as a whole, mm-hmm. but it has deeper meanings to each of us in different ways. Right. And I think that that leaves like other listeners and, you know, people able to interpret it in their own way and understand it in their own personal experiences or use it to, um, you know, cope with certain things in their own way that they thought that it was about. Right. Um, 
I don't know. It, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what we were talking about in certain in certain points because one of the songs it may have been an experience that happened you know a month ago for me, mm-hmm. but it could have been five years ago for Jake. Like yeah, I don't know. So right. it's it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. You kind of beat me to the question, which was gonna be so you know let's say Jake has a verse and then you know Zach maybe he writes it for your next line. And then my question was going to be, you know, do you feel that same passion writing from someone else's point of view? But I think you answered it because, like you said, it seems like a very universal way that you guys write. But then you have your own personal experiences that allows you to put your own passion in that track as well. Absolutely. I think uh, when it comes down to, like, lyrics for us, like, they stretch. They stretch in meaning and they stretch for whoever's listening to them. And uh, we like that. We like that they're flexible in just in nature. And when we're writing them, uh, we do have days where we sit down and, and we change one word in a song and it makes a incredible difference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, we, we sit there and, and you change those things together. And we mm-hmm. don't make those decisions individually. We, we make them as a group. Like, I think it, this word might get better there or this line, I, I think this line could be stronger. There was there's a song on the album that we legitimately that we legitimately had to rewrite the entirety of the lyrics. Like it was done. Wow. It was done musically, like from like an instrumental standpoint. It was it was completed. And we looked at it and we were done. <clears throat> and we kind of were just like, you know, this doesn't mean as much to me now as when we started it and I and I just can't latch on to it. So we, we sat down and we were like, Well let's let's rethink it entirely. And we started with that and that song ended up being the nine. And the nine is one of our, well, all of them are fucking, we're obsessed with all of them. Right. You know, we're, they're our children, (laughs) but uh, it's one of our favorites to play live. Absolutely. And uh, it, it ends up being that much more important when you work on it together, because it's not just something to you anymore. It's something that you can experience as a group together. Right. it's, It's also like, you gotta, like Jake was saying, you gotta kind of mean what you say when you release something because, like, that's that's it. It's kind of out there and final. Mm-hmm. It's not like you could be like, damn, like, that one line's weak. We'll just change it live. Like, it, it's not how it works. Like, right. you can't just, like, bring Da Vinci back and, and let him, like, fix the <laughs> Mona Lisa. Like, he, needs a lot he painted the Mona Lisa, right? <laughs> I'm just making sure. He comes back and he's like, you know, back then I didn't really get the smile right. I think I'm going to fix it this time. I think I'm going to give her some bigger tits now, too. Maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not how it works. It's not. It's no longer his painting. Right. It's it's the world. So, you know, when we release something, we want to make sure that it's out there the way we want it. By the way, you just made the new plot of some movie that is going to be out probably by next year. <laughs> really? <laughs> he comes back from the dead and just like, it's like, I wanted to have bigger tits. Yep. <laughs> back to the future four. That's what My it's going to be. need to be bigger. <laughs> I didn't quite get the eyebrows right. Well, really, we all know he didn't get much right. I mean, she's kind of busted. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yikes. 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 <laughs> I think, actually, I think Lonely Island has a whole song about that. Did they really? That's yeah. Awesome. I oh think for God. that, did you guys ever see uh pop star never stop, never yes. stopping? Yeah. There's a whole yeah. song on that album about how the Mona Lisa sucks. 
funny. It's actually not bad. You should check that That's out. But funny. all right, sorry, That's we went off. Yeah, once again, tangent there for sure. So when <laughs> you guys were in the studio, did you find that you changed more lyrics or more musical parts? Um, I'd say more musical parts probably, okay. but not really change them. Um, we, we do a lot of additional things when it comes like into the studio. Like we listen to it as a whole a lot more and instead of like it being like an individual part. It's like, okay, well, what does the song need right here? Um, and we, we add those things, whether it be in the form of a, a synthesized noise or mm-hmm. whether it's something that we change on like a guitar or a bass um, or whether it's something that we take and do with like a vocal harmony. Right. Um, a lot of it has to do with the music, not necessarily like other words. There were words changed in the studio um, from our demos to to the studio, but when we went there, pretty much almost all the lyrics were, were set in stone. Okay. Um, but how they were utilized, I think, was something that we changed even while we were we were recording them. You'll Forget Me, we changed them right there on the spot. Yeah, um, wow. The whole first verse of You'll Forget Me, mm-hmm. we changed in the studio. And it is, well, what it came out to be was right. superb to what we had originally yep. thought. Um, the choruses, another breath chorus. Uh, the chorus for another breath used to have something in it that it does not anymore, yeah. and what was put in its place is far superior. And those are things that we didn't even touch or uh, talk about until we went in the studio. And I was like, I think this is what we're gonna do, and then we do it, and then everybody listens and it's like, okay, we're not gonna do that, <laughs> or wow. or it's like you know somebody had an idea, we passed around. Uh, right. It also helps to when you when you work on these songs with like very talented producers, like. Nick and Andrew like when you when you do something like they they hear it a completely different way because right. like you know when when we write like a guitar part or a bass part or you know a, a vocal like harmony that we're doing or a melody that we're doing like when we have it in our head it's it's kind of you know how it is for the most part but when they hear it they might hear it like completely different so when you go in and you like you're working with them on it um it kind of starts to take more of a form and lets you kind of be a little more versatile with the certain part that you kind of came into it with, you know what I mean? So um, a lot of parts were added in um, like musically wise by those two, just like certain, like, I I think instead of like playing the the strings through, I think it would be much more of a powerful statement to have them cut quick here and then pick back up and punch in with a good drum fill. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Sure. Just um, as a whole to make it um, have better flow and have have more power. Okay. All right. Now, there is something that you mentioned before, and then we went off on a tangent I wanted to come back to really quick. So when you talked about how, you know, on stage, You've been playing everything from Myself on Fire. Is that for promotional means or is it because you had also mentioned that when you're not, you know, experiencing or feeling the same way about a track, you don't really want to play that or you don't want to sing that? Was that also part of it that you kind of moved on from grief? Well, I would say that... um you know, the parts of those albums will always kind of like reside within us. And, and, you know, you pull those out and you, you pull that, that those emotions out when those songs come around. Um, us playing myself on fire in its entirety right now was partially, I would say, say something that we did because 
uh, we felt like we we needed to, as well as wanted to, and mm-hmm. and we needed to because it was like a uh, an inner need. It wasn't like anybody told us. Sure. It was like guys need to play this album front to back because we were so happy with the album literally front to back. Like right. if you start, we we played it in the order that you know you hear it in the album oh, very cool. and it worked it works as a set live and that is something we're really proud of where we didn't feel that we could do that with grief um it, there were some lulls in the set when we, when we were trying to do that whereas myself on fire feels feels well like it's on fire the whole time <laughs> you're, you're going through it which right. which is great and you know that was just something we did for these past couple of runs and ward tour and uh the tour we just got off of um but i would i would definitely not say that you know, the passion for the older songs has left us. I think right now we just have this shiny new toy that's sitting there <laughs> and we want to play with it. Right. We don't want to look at it. We want to play with it. We want everybody to, uh, to experience it as well. Right. Plus so. it's also, I guess, for promotional as well, because I mean, you're selling a new product essentially, and you want people to see that you want them to hear it. You want them to feel it, taste it, touch it, whatever. Um, and so we can't give that to them if we're still playing old stuff. Um, so lately we, we, we have been pushing the new stuff, um, but it hasn't been exclusively just, you know, myself on fire. When we play home shows, we play the hometown favorites and we, uh, we, we dig deep and we play stuff from shapeshifter and grief and everything else. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that we've lost like love for older songs or anything because some of my favorite songs to play live are still from, you know, grief. I still love playing broke just because it's gnarly and. Yeah. Shapeshifter is always going to have a place in my heart. So Right. Yeah. Makes total sense to me. So then when you go out for these, you know, when you've been doing the runs that you were just doing, what is the crowd reaction to the new stuff as well? It's honestly been really, really fantastic. Nice. I mean, I, I think the crowds in these last couple runs that we've done have been some of the most receptive crowds that we've ever performed for. Nice. Um, we're, we're like, doesn't matter the size, whether it was, like the mass amount of people that were at war tour or, you know, uh, the rooms that we were playing, <laughs> uh, the masquerade, uh, when our competition was Attila across the way <laughs> right, right. <laughs> at rage fest, <laughs> which we, you know, we had a, a solid handful of wonderful people there for us, but you know, I would have been at Attila too. <laughs> so, but like the reception has been wonderful. They've been very open to it. They love the, the versatility of it. Uh, a lot of people are coming up to us and saying like man it feels like like this needs to be on a bigger stage and it's always it's always really really reassuring and and uh that humbling to hear things like that because you know we're not the kind of people to ever sit down and like you know hype ourselves up on anything we just love what we do and um we hope that people appreciate things when when we put them out because they're 100 percent of who we are um and we're pretty transparent about it um so, so the reception I would say has easily been the best that we've had on any music we've ever performed live ever. And I'm really excited to mix up the order and confuse people a little bit, like sure. take a song off and play an older song or, you know, throw the could ever love back into the set. So that right. people are like, Oh shit, I didn't think they were going to play it. They played <laughs> it or stuff like that. You know, like we're, we're excited to like expand upon that, that new experience that people seem to be having with our set. Um, and it's going to be fun to experiment with it. A whole lot of fun. Yeah. Now, you've been playing all these festivals. You know, you just mentioned Rage Fest as well, which I went to. And obviously, 
so many different genres of music are playing all those type of festivals. When you go out on the road next, are you going to be looking for bands that are on the kind of similar wavelength as you, or do you enjoy all those different genres on a bill? Um, well, I think that that kind of stems from where we are from. And in Youngstown, like, the music scene is is very, very versatile. Mm-hmm. So, like, us getting on stage and booking shows here doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be playing with people that sound like us. Okay. Like, we've played with, you know, on a rap show and on a death metal show and on an acoustic show. So, like, that to us feels like home. Like, if we get up there and we're playing nothing but an acoustic set and Attila's headlining, like, I'm fine with it. But if we also get up there and, you know, fucking... The Rolling Stones is playing, and we play only our heaviest shit. Like I'm, I'm cool with that too. So right. I don't care who we play with. If if they're cool, they're cool. Yeah, no, that's a good way to be. When you and we're gonna we're gonna move on from music in a second. But when you were going ahead and you were writing myself on fire, was there anyone out there right now that you were currently listening to that had any effect on what you guys were doing? You know, we're, we listen to a lot of, like, a variety of music. Like, all of our influences are extremely different. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of those things where, like, you know, whenever I get the aux in the van, I get yelled at. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I'd say we were listening to a lot of different stuff. Like, I, I listen to a lot of, like, Brit pop or, like, alternative rock or, you know, anything that could just be, like, popular-sounding music all the way to, like, you know, the, the hard rock or, or the heavier stuff. Sure. Um, and, and I think every single one of us has somebody in a genre that's just outlier. Like, we, we like to listen across the board. So I don't, I don't really know if there's, like, an individual, like, artist that really influenced me at all on this, on this album because I think the biggest thing for me on this album was Myself on Fire was it, it was just us. It, it just felt like it just needed to just be like whatever there were there were point in times where I felt like when I was writing the lyrics that, that I literally would not listen to music for, for weeks at a time because ah. I didn't want, I didn't want ideas right. from things. I, I wanted them to come from my brain and that was really frustrating at times um, because, you know, sometimes it just doesn't come, but, yeah. but there were times where I would just not, I would just not because I, I wanted it to come out of my head, not, not an idea that I got from someone else. Right. So, I would say that there are many musical influences, at least for me, but like uh, when writing the album, I think I tried to separate myself from a lot of them. Interesting. All right. Zach, what about you? Um, the other day, I saw this video of um, China had like given birth to like, I guess not China, but like the Chinese had like bred like 32 pandas. Okay. And like, that was the only inspiration we had for myself. <laughs> I was wondering yo, where like, that was going. Hey, I got it now. Yo, like the one, the one panda, like was not <laughs> having it, and he straight dove off the table, just face first onto the ground, <laughs> and like that's what made me want to write a nine. I was like, this little sucker is a nine. He's our canine. He's he's a part of all terrorists. So the next day, we recorded the nines. <laughs> Oh, best answer to that question I've ever had. And now I'm going to look up that video, unless you made that up. <laughs> oh, boy. I think it was on Facebook or something. I don't know. I'm sure it's But, somewhere. like, they have this picture of this panda just, like, upside down, face into the ground. No one's helping them. <laughs> like, thanks, China. 
We know you gave birth to him, but you just let one die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that beautiful, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Way to paint a picture. That is for sure. So you might remember, but at the end of the show, normally it's very brief. But I want to give us a little bit more time. Exactly. We talked about movies, and it's been a couple years now. So a lot of movies have come out. But one of the things we've always been on different pages on are the Star Wars movies. Uh, Yes. Uh, Yes, I recall. Yes, I have to ask, though. So now, with The Last Jedi being so polarizing, is your love for Star Wars, is it still there? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Wow. I, I liked it. I honestly, okay, so that, so I I know that a lot of Star Wars fans are very like displeased, right? And I know that a lot of people are like really confused about like the the antagonist and the protagonist, and they kind of like blurred the lines a little bit, and they you know they they for a minute made Luke look like a little bitch, and like <laughs> you know they has been living on an island by himself with those fucking utter monsters, like those exactly. kid monsters, like I'd be a little bitch too, like, like <laughs> you see him drink the one straight from the teeth, like right. How would you feel, you know? So, like, I think, I think for me, like, just from a perspective, it's like, I don't ever go into any Star Wars movie ever. And I think, I think this might just be, like, the way that I was raised watching them. Mm-hmm. Like, I never, nobody ever talked to me about them before I watched them. It wasn't like anyone hyped them up for me. It wasn't like they were like, this is the best movie ever. I just, like, had seen them. Uh, and I've always gone in with no expectation. I've just gone in with like expecting a story that would grip me, a story that would be different than anything I've watched before. And I think I got that. I think okay. I got the the shit that like I didn't want to happen. Like, you know, for, for the first minute, everybody was like, Ray's going to be related to Luke. And it's like, I'm so glad that that didn't happen because right. I would have just been like, that's such a, such a sellout. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think we got the story. I don't think everyone got the story they wanted, but I think we got the movie that we deserved. I really do. Interesting. All right. Bravo. Golf clap, oh, everyone. No. Are we gonna fight? Are we gonna fight now? No. I, I mean, if you want. But like, I don't know. People were like pissed off too when like Leia, you know, did her thing and blew up or whatever, and was like floating okay. around outside and like right. forced back into the ship. I don't know. Like it's fucking Star Wars. They're walking around with blasters, <laughs> using the Force, throwing lightsabers at each other, and that's what you're going to be mad about. We had Jar Jar Binks like eight years ago. That's what you're going to be upset about. It's that is very Fisher. Everyone can <laughs> shut up. You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I liked it. I, I liked knew you guys it. would better take a very on. positive take on it for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I liked it better than. Um, what was the other one? Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. yeah, I liked it better than Rogue One. Did you see Solo? I have not. I have not yet. And I might feel like a bad Star Wars fan for that, but at the same time, I think I think they, like, decreased the hype on it for me. Like, I'm waiting for it to come to, to Blu-ray. Um, but it's because, like, they did this thing where they were releasing them at Christmas every year. And I was, like, expecting it then. And then it came out, and I was like, shit, I can't go to the movies right now. Like, I don't have the ability to do this. And, yeah. and now here I am. been busy, too, and I just, yeah. I don't know, I haven't made it to the theaters. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been hard to go and see movies. But Christmas, it's easy. It's easy to go see a movie on Christmas. What the hell are you doing? There's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. So, well, I guess that's the question, then. We don't even have to go into a huge debate, because I knew you guys would have at least enjoyed The Last Jedi. But what... Besides making music and everything, what has kept you guys so busy? 
We play a lot of video games. Yeah, we do do that. We do do that. Um, What's your major game now? Yeah. Uh, so we play, okay, mostly we play, like, MOBAs, like Heroes of the Storm. That's, like, our go-to, okay. probably. Um, recently, we've been into, like, Overwatch. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, the thing that we do. And like then... Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves, yeah. Okay. Like, uh, we, we don't, uh, have a ton of time besides, like, you know, when we're working on music and shit, but, like, when we do, we waste away in front of these things. Oh, and, uh, we, we're really big on... Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, it is okay. Like, for real, I We've think got, like five campaigns going on. Right yeah, now. It's, it's crazy. Holy but shit. we just finished one. <laughs> well, since the last time we talked to you, we would have finished our main campaign that yeah. we were doing, which was like almost two years long. Yeah, it was like a two-year-long campaign. So, so maybe, maybe you guys were just trying to be, you know, really cool in front of me because you know we had just started <laughs> talking, but that certainly did not come up in our first two conversations. Yeah, no, we were we, we were closet about yeah, it. We, <laughs> we were, but like you know, I see the thing is like I've become so advocating of it because of how much it's improved my life. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm not gonna say that it didn't have any impact on some lyrical content, but ah, okay, it may may or may or may not have. Hey man, I will tell you what if you wanna if you like if you, from a music perspective, like if I could. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I could like say one thing that helped me increase my writing with this, mm-hmm. it's by writing stories for that. Like if you've got uh. a group of people, you're in, if you're in a band, this is going to come off really weird. But if you're in a <laughs> band and you've got a band that everybody's down to roll some dice, man, sit down and play D and D as a group, and each of you write a story, like write uh, your okay. own story, and sit there, create the characters together, create and the world, create everything, everything, and man, it it puts it really puts it in perspective when you go create an album it's no different yeah. you're, wow. you're it's just you're the character now yeah. you know and you just have to know how to tell your story so like the experience that i think we got from doing that i think helped our storytelling and and our way of portraying the ideas that we've we've put on this new album really well and that's i don't know it could be super dorky I, i'm not worried about it at all no. i love what we do so but like i i would recommend it honestly i think it's a great writing tool i really do wow Wow, I never thought about it that way before, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I played Dungeons & Dragons once in my life, so maybe I, obviously, I don't know all the intricacies that go along with it, but that's a really good point. I'm not even going to make fun of you for that because I think (laughs) I've always been interested in people that have the time to put that kind of thing together. So I would much rather make fun of you for Star Wars than make fun of you for for Dungeons & Dragons. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean... The thing is, like, we we play D and D really like really different than most people. Like, it, like we're not number crunchy kind of people at all. We do we don't really roll the dice all that much. We're very much like homebrew, like super role play. It's not it's, super role play, but like it's all about the story. Yeah, it's hundred percent about the story. There will be times where you, you literally stand there and you're just talking to people. You know right. what I mean? Like it's all it's all just it's all just about the story and telling the story and getting the story and changing it every single time, whether mm-hmm. it's you as a player or you as a DM, like that that's so cool because that's exactly how music works when you're writing it. Every person that touches it puts their own little spark into it and it changes it and it changes it sometimes not for the better. And then it you work together to make it make it better and then you have the other magical parts where, right. you know, somebody touches it and it's like, Holy shit, you just made that song ten times better right this was like my story of like planting the seed of a song mm-hmm. but it was like much less nerdy yeah <laughs> yeah you know sorry i 
I've really delved into it. You asked. I'm I sorry, did. And you no. <laughs> How dare you apologize for answering? <laughs> no, that's incredibly unique. I've never heard that perspective before. So that's awesome to hear. No, that's great. So you've got not as many, you know, movie going experiences, but you're doing Dungeons and Dragons. You guys are playing some video games along the way as well. I totally get it. When I play video games, you know, besides like Rocket League or something every once in a while, I enjoy, you know, a Final Fantasy RPG. I want a story driven game. So I completely get it. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Well, guys, what we can do right now, let me ask you, is there anything I missed on myself on fire that you guys wanted to cover? Um, I've, I've got one thing to say. I don't think you missed anything, but one thing to say that we found out about today mm-hmm. that, that's super fucking tight, and we haven't posted about it yet. It's going to come out tomorrow, awesome. so we can talk about it today yeah. because I'm assuming this won't be out tomorrow. No, But no, no. Uh, Myself on Fire, we, we, was a, we charted on Billboard number three heat seeker in Very the cool. northeast central and uh number 18 on the hard rock album sales with the album so congratulations we're really really excited about that wow uh, and well done something we're proud of it's one of those things where we're just like man that's like a bucket yeah, list like right. some bucket list stuff now i can just quit <laughs> now this was the end yeah no that's more that's yeah that's all i need <laughs> no fourth appearance on yeah, it's music. been real it's been fun has been real fun interview we can still like come on and just talk and bs and like since we're dogs and stuff but you know (laughs) yeah no i mean of course of course i mean i didn't mean to say no i mean of of course we can can talk dungeons and dragons we can do all that stuff just send me whatever send me whatever quest you're doing and i'll look into it yeah yeah. are you trying to like skype in for a session or something that would actually that would be a bucket list item for me i bet that would be hilarious that would be awesome well we might have to talk about that all right that works. Well, that's awesome, guys. Honestly, congratulations. I think you guys definitely should be proud of what you've done on Myself on Fire. Like I said, I love it. I think it's fucking great. So I'm hoping that you know more people, more people hear it, people listening to the show, if they haven't got a chance to listen to it, that they'll definitely listen to it after hearing everything you guys spoke about it. So yeah, no, that's awesome, and that's exciting news. Thank you, man. We're, we're pretty stoked on it. Absolutely. I think that is a good place to end tonight. So once again, I will have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can get myself on fire. They can continue with buying that album. Make sure they follow you on Facebook, Twitter, everything else. So that way, when you guys do go out on tour, people can find you too. But until then, what is the best way for people to support you? Um, probably Spotify, Apple Music, all those um, are good in this. Those are our, uh, our main plugs for us trying to get you to listen to the stuff. Definitely sure. the bread and butter of the music industry right now. For no sure. one buys albums anymore. Yeah, it's it's all about the streams. It's all about Spotify. So if you can you can follow us on Spotify, you can get all the latest stuff. Uh, if you you know want to stream the album, we've got a couple of playlists. We've got individual playlists of the music we're listening to right no, now on there. Very cool. Yeah. Actually, you do have the most followers right now. I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah. So the Spotify is a good one, um, but we're we're also active on Twitter and Facebook, and mostly Twitter and Instagram. But right, yeah, all okay. forms of social media. We post links, we post videos, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'll also have the links to Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff on there as well. So we'll make it ridiculously easy for people to you know hear what you guys got going on so once again 
Myself on Fire is awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Third time, make hey. sure, do me a favor. You got to say hi to Mike because it's the first time we haven't had Mike on the show as well. So, no, he's in California right now. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. It wasn't because he just didn't want to talk to me? No, no. Okay, just <laughs> it, making sure. It may have been that. Ah, <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. I'm I shouldn't have kidding. asked. I'm just <laughs> oh my gosh. So no, guys, we definitely will. We'll tell them that. Thank you so much for having us. It's always a fucking blast, man. We love we love your your questions are always like what some of the most interesting ones we get to answer. Yeah, very thoughtful. And uh and we love being on the show. So thank you. Thanks so much, guys. Much appreciated. You're always welcome back on the show. I love it. So third time's a charm. We'll we'll hit it later on <laughs> as well. Yeah, next time. So thank you guys once again. Peace. See you.
and I am back. The track you just heard was the title track off Myself on Fire. So damn good. All right. A big thanks to Jake and Zach for coming on the show and being so great, like they always are. Also, thank you to Haley from Revival Recordings for setting all of this up. Much appreciated. Don't forget to pick up the new EP, Myself on Fire, and support Alteris by also clicking the links in the description of the episode for their Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and more. Also, if you liked what you heard, you can follow the other links in the description to support me, Ian Hates. There's no better way to end tonight than to slow it down with the track Light off Myself on Fire. Thanks again to Alteris, and I will leave you, the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. Mother always says that I'm a stronger 
Colors wash, but she was always smiling. 